0: Hey, everybody, my name is Neil Brennan. I got a Netflix special called Blocks uh, where I go over the things in my life that make me feel like something's wrong with me. that I'm crazy, that I'm isolated, that I'm alone in the world. And uh, my friend Jimmy Carr had the idea to have my friends come on and tell me what their blocks are. And we uh, we get vulnerable and we shame, shame. One of my old good buddies is here. Uh, a mental health crusader hey. like myself, a couple of goddamn crusaders, Charlemagne the God is Neil here, Neil Brennan, what's happening um, my brother? I I'm, love
1: blocks, by the way.
2: Thank you. Thank I mean, you, sir.
1: you don't get enough credit for your stand-up specials, man. mics and blocks are two of the most uh, interesting and, and different devices used to get into stand-up comedy. You, you heard know. the man. You
0: fucking heard. I'm the surprised man. people
1: didn't steal the three mics concept.
0: I worked with um, Ellen DeGeneres on her last special, and at one point, Portia, her wife, was like, "I just wish she could do three mics." Why can't she? I mean, I was going to do a series yeah. of letting other people do it, but then Netflix started giving people 20 million bucks.
1: Oh, got you. Got so you. like,
0: it was like, all right, well, I'm <laughs> not going to. I'm not. I. No one's going to do it for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Dave yeah. or Trey, anybody who's getting Chris any of like the ty- the 20 million dollar club ain't going to do. Yeah. They're not going to give me 15 minutes to stand up. Yeah, and it's int-
1: like it's interesting you turned blocks into this because nobody could do blocks but you. Like once that concept is done, yes. it's done as far as stand up. Yes. But for this it makes sense to podcast format. Yes. On it. Thank you. So
0: anyway, one of the th- things that I I'm most flattered by with you and I don't even remember saying this. You said you're, I would say, you're like the uh, a leader in uh, black mental health, right? Absolutely. And you said
1: I you went to therapy because I went to therapy. Absolutely, I always credit you because you you were one of the people that were always talking about it. And whether I, whether you knew I was curious about it or whether you knew I was going through you know dealing with anxiety and bouts to depression, hearing you talk about how it helped you made me be like, man, I really need to go. Go that means more
0: to me than i can ever express cuz oh. you don't know and i remember posting it on instagram like uh and like kevin love and like pe- like that people don't talk about it mm-hmm. and it's not it's just not that big a deal to me that's the thing like i i think cuz i was the youngest in my family i got to test out like hey i go to therapy and i take medication on older people yeah. and then be like how long are you going to do that and just all this sort of judgment yeah. and then Once I was, once I sort of like stood my ground with them, I have no shame about
1: it. You talking about it so nonchalantly, Pete Davidson talking about it so nonchalantly, Amanda Seals, you know, uh, those are people that I'm I'm around, I'm talking to. So just hearing y'all talking about it so nonchalantly was like, yeah, man, I need to really go try to figure this out. Because I'm hearing y'all talk about things that I deal with yeah you know, i'm hearing y'all use language to identify these experiences that i've had my whole life well that's
0: my question when did you become aware of it because because you were living just like a not I mean, you weren't never like a knucklehead knucklehead right where i mean you were just like uh, living no, a I regular was, life
1: I, I was kind of an. i was a, it depends what you call knuckleheadish you know what i mean but yeah. my whole life i i've always dealt with panic attacks i just never knew what they were i actually thought i was just pussy you know what I'm saying cuz literally I'd be walking down like my dirt road and see a car coming and go shoot off in the woods and hide and don't know why I don't know why you know my heart starts racing the way it does don't know, don't know why my palms start sweating and you had no idea what was happening? No. You just thought you were a pussy? I thought oh, I was pussy. And then you yeah. think about it growing up in the 90s, we grew up in the era where you had to be hardcore. Right. Like there was actual, uh, it was a genre yes. <laughs> of music does called hardcore. does Puffy describe, <laughs> or Biggie or Puffy
0: describes a panic attack in one of those songs? Oh, a lot of them. I mean, yeah, but like, su- it, suicidal thoughts. Yeah, had a song yeah, called exactly. Suicidal thoughts. Was suicidal thoughts like, like when dudes heard it, were they like, "This us is- just pussy ass shit or were they like okay Not,
1: you, i don't you know i don't know what i thought when i heard suicidal thoughts i honestly thought that it was just like a, watching a movie almost like you know how you watch a yeah, horror yeah, movie yeah. and like it's supposed to feel this way yeah i just thought he was you know pinning out words like he had another song called i don't want to live no more sometimes yeah. i hear death knocking at my front door growing up in a certain environment you feel like that all the time anyway you know what i mean and and i i don't i don't think i've ever felt like i wanted to die like yes. even when they say the song even when this, the album's called Ready to Die. Yeah. Probably because of the lifestyle we were living at the time, we felt like it could happen at any moment. Yeah. But we weren't... I wasn't speaking that into existence. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Oh, I didn't yeah. want it to happen.
0: Do you feel like it was, a, com- it was like a more common thing? Like the Ready to Die thing is obviously like a stance
1: mm-hmm.
0: born out of like a living in a shitty environment. And Absolutely. you have to pretend like, I don't even give a fuck and Absolutely. do all that shit. Absolutely. And do you feel like most dudes are experiencing some form of mental health not whether it's a crisis or not just like yes. there is and is it how much better do you think it gets a year
1: well it, it in the,
0: let's just take black males
1: it doesn't get better if you don't do it, do the work
0: but i'm saying culturally like how much more accepted is it getting
1: oh oh no no it's it's it's, it's more accepting than it's ever been you know yeah. I, mean, I think about when i wrote my second book shook one and it came out in 2018 and then my I remember Thanksgiving of that year, my father called me. I was home in Moncks Corner, South Carolina, and I had a cousin who had committed, completed suicide that week. And that was like the fourth time that he attempted it, but you know, he completed it. My father called me, and between my book and that moment, he told me, he was like, man, I've been going to therapy, you know, two and three times a week. You know, I I I was on 10 to 12 different medications throughout my life. I tried to commit suicide when I was like 30 years old. so." He, and, and, and I'm listening to him tell me these things. And I remember calling my mom like, yo, mom, did you know Pops was going through all this? And she was like, yo, I thought he was playing crazy to get a check. Because that's what happened back then when you would try to go deal with your issues and they couldn't figure out what the issue problem is. They're going to put you on medication and they're going to start and giving you, get, you a and check. And you get disability. Absolutely. So it's like if I would have known he was going through that back then, I would have known what I was dealing with. When I was younger because he dealt with all the same things. I yeah, so it
0: was a similar p- portfolio of issues.
1: My father used to sleep with a knife and a gun by his bed because he said the devil was I mean, coming who doesn't to get him at
2: night. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he said the devil was coming to get him at night. You know what I mean? Like there was Wait, always. So,
0: so no taser as well? I go gun, knife, and taser. Oh, he,
1: he, he snuck a taser in the MetLife Stadium. Oh, yeah, so well, he didn't sneak it in. He's from South Carolina, so he's used to having it on him. That's what my dad always said, keep something on you. So he literally just walked into MetLife Stadium on 9-11. I think this was like 2011, 2012. (laughs) And he walked in during the Cowboys-Jets game and got into a fight with a Marine on (laughs) 9-11 and and ended up tasing him. True story, Google it. What were they? Were they arguing about football? My dad, uh, you know, he's older. He's not old, old, but he's older. And so it was the Pledge of Allegiance. And he weren't he wasn't standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. Not because he was trying to disrespect the flag, he just he couldn't stand up for that period of time. So he's sitting down at the game. And uh when my when his wife tried to get up to go to the bathroom, the Marine was like, no. Cause y'all didn't stand up for the pledge. My dad was like, man, get the fuck out the way. And the Marine was like, no. So my dad just hit him with the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah.
0: Okay. So. What was, when do you remember first having issues in the, any kind of mental health issue?
1: uh, My first panic attack, now that I know what a panic attack is, was first grade. It was first grade. My mother dropped me off at Memager Elementary School, because I'm born in Charleston, but raised in Monk's Corner, but my mom used to teach at Courtney Middle School in downtown Charleston, so we would drive from Monk's Corner. I think we might have been staying, no, we were staying in like a trailer park in Charleston, Then I can't remember the name of it, but we used to drive from the trailer park to the school, and just her dropping me off in first grade, I remember having a panic attack in first grade and crying uncontrollably to the point that my mom didn't want to leave but she had to go to the school and like all of the teachers trying to console me i'm in first grade bawling like just having a severe panic attack you and know, heart racing heart racing and- palms sweating everything shaking like you know like really thinking something is wrong with me and and and, it, and, and when i it wasn't because my mom was dropping me off. My mom had been dropping my mom dropped me off the kindergarten when I was young. I can remember oh, so that you'd
0: already been to school. This was not even your no, first day. No, first school. grade. Right. It was
1: memory elementary school, first grade. So re-
0: year two of school.
1: Yeah, I remember Little Red Riding Hood. You know the school that I used to go to and the kindergarten I used to go to the preschool. I remember that I didn't have those panic attacks then, but that first day of first grade, severe panic attack. I. You know what's interesting?
0: My first day of kindergarten. So it was my first day of school. Mm-hmm. She they dropped me off in the morning. This is a, a couple things here. And I bawled uncontrollably. Wow. That was the first time I realized I was clinically depressed. But then it turns out I wasn't supposed to be in the morning session. I, I was signed up for the afternoon session. And then so they, like, I got booted and then they brought me back for the afternoon and wow. I didn't cry in the afternoon. There's a few metaphors. So you're there, not which a morning is, person. Not a morning person. Mm-hmm. First metaphor. Um, have to practice things once to be good at it, mm. have to, like, do a rehearsal. And uh, when you're one of 10 kids, your parents forget shit. (laughs) Um,
1: I got a theory for that, though. Like, our our generation of parents were too busy trying to survive. You know what I mean? This is what I talked to Roy about.
0: (laughs) Roy Woods Jr. was here last night. And, like, there's a level of arrogance in our generation to, like, think, well, where? What happened there? It's like, motherfucker, first of all, I had problems. And then... The generation before me, it's like you go back one or two generations and they're all illiterate. That's right. First of all. That's right. And uh, the, all my people were illiterate farming people. So, like, I'm, who am I laying these expectations at? Yeah. You yeah. Know what I mean? we're, like, we're
1: the first generation to have the luxury of healing. Yes. And actually changing things we don't like. <laughs> yeah. That shit is a luxury to be able to go get your teeth.
0: Absolutely. And I don't even say it's a luxury. It's like, a, I don't like getting into like, the you know the privilege of our it's like i just feel like it turns people off in mm-hmm. terms of makes you feel bad about a thing that like we should all be entitled to right but you're absolutely right in that the hierarchy of needs in terms of just like food shelter right. clothing and then we just a lot of our families just solve this like in the 90s that's right
1: no you're right <laughs> like yeah, out of
0: the the muck so to speak absolutely so so yeah but I'm i'm happy that you're uh, I, it's just i the, i like really genuinely admire like the fact that you don't have any shame either about it or maybe you do or and you've gotten over it when but I
1: wrote shook one that came out of a uh... My book agent pressing me to do a second book. I didn't want to do a second book. First one was Black Privilege, First right? one was Black Privilege. You know, I, I put my my life up to that point into the book. So when they come to me about a second book, I'm like, what the fuck would I write about? Like, you know what yeah. I mean? And then, uh, and also at that point, I was the most confused I had ever been. Because let me see, that was 2018, 20, late 2017, early 2018. So I had started going to therapy in 2016. So you already know, when you first start going to therapy, that is the most confusing time of your life because you're unlearning so much shit. And everything you thought you knew, you realize I know nothing. So I'm like empty when she's asking me this, but I was keeping a journal of everything that I was learning in uh, therapy. And I was like, man, I got this this journal of things that I was learning about myself in therapy. I said, like, maybe we could, you know, put that out. But what I realized when I started writing the book was, the things I was learning in therapy, was for me to understand. I couldn't explain it to people, you know? So what we ended up doing was I just put my experiences that I was going to therapy for in the book and I brought in an actual psychiatrist. What couldn't you
0: explain to people?
1: I couldn't explain like why certain traumas impacted me the way that they did. I I, I can now, I couldn't then.
0: Give me an example.
1: Oh, man. Um, this is going to sound crazy. And I'm, I'm I'm trying to find one of the lighter ones. But Duh, you don't
0: have to. Yeah, but. <laughs> then you come to the right place if you want. Yeah,
1: yeah, just something as simple as like putting out a first book, having extreme success with that book, but still dealing with depression and panic attacks. And even though I've. In had, li- it, despite the fact mo- that more
0: money, more exactly, visibility, and, 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 more. Exactly. And
1: even though we've done book signings and they were insane. Still being in LA, trying marijuana for the first time. Not for the first time, but for the first time in a long time, which was a bad idea. Trying to get rid of the anxiety, right? Not realizing sativa makes your anxiety going through the roof. And this new weed is something totally different. So now I'm in my head like, look at this stupid motherfucker about the overdose in LA off marijuana. You know what I mean? when he's having when he's at kind of like at the height of some of his success typical new new stardom shit <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean so that's driving me crazy and then like me and my wife in the room and I'm just odd, telling myself all of these different things like there's no way this woman could have liked me all of these years and you know like she we've been, we've been we'll be together 25 years this year but in that moment I'm like there's no way she likes me I'm like you know what she 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 wanted me to smoke weed because she wants me to die. We just got a life insurance policy like I, like all of that stupid shit, yeah, you know what I mean but i I can't explain that to people. I can't explain like which part couldn't you explain
0: the the success part or yeah. the
1: i think it's it's easier for me to explain now um I couldn't explain it back then because i was I was still dealing with imposter syndrome as well right so even saying I'm successful. That voice. Well, be let's like, do what a, let's you? do a
0: block on imposter syndrome. Yeah. All right. Tell me about your imposter syndrome. My experience of you. It's you earned. You didn't get any breaks that I'm I aware any of. didn't skip steps. Yeah. Yeah. So why the imposter syndrome?
1: Because I mean, you know, you you be around your heroes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you're
0: handling it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: two specials <laughs> changed the game but that's true though like you like somebody like you you know y'all, you all you created the pal show you know yeah. what i mean like so it's like you never quite feel like you fit in until you have conversations with people like yourself right or other people that i admire and they've never quite fit in either you know what i mean well that's
0: the other thing is your like uh appeal is if it were baseball you're like a knuckleball thrower
1: Explain. I, I hate baseball. Uh, I used to love it better when uh, everybody was to You're
0: like, if there was a lineup of people, I wouldn't go. Yeah, like he'll be the most successful gotcha. black radio person. Gotcha. I just, just, I'd just be like, I don't know, like maybe him. Gotcha. I'd be, you're being my list of like because you're funny, but you don't lead with it. You're smart, but you don't lead with it. It's everything sneaky. You know what I mean? Gotcha. You're like, it's like everything's sort of off speed and kind of like, oh, by the way, like uh, I'm sure when you started getting a lot of hits on YouTube. I'm sure the radio station was like.
1: I never paid to know. The crazy part is I never. I always knew that. I, I always said I want to be one of the biggest radio personalities in the country. When I started in 1998, that was my mindset. I want to be the big one of the biggest radio personalities in the country, compared to the Howard Stearns, the Angie Martinez, yeah. the Wendy Williams, the people, you know, Tom Joyner, Doug yep. Banks, God bless the dead, like those individuals. So I I knew I wanted to be in that realm. When we started Breakfast Club, I told Envy and Angela we're going to be syndicated. Right, I knew that, but I've always been the type of person just to bury my head in the work. Like I don't pay attention to any of it. So when I do peek my head out and realize like what's going on, it's like oh shit. Well, I'm going okay. Back. <laughs> how do you? How can
0: you kind of will something like that and have imposter syndrome?
1: I just knew, but that doesn't mean. Be, no, Why did you think you would be? But, but, the
0: chemistry or like?
1: Well, no. But think of the difference, right? Knowing that you're going to be successful at something still doesn't mean you feel like you deserve to have it or you belong in that position. You just know. But sometimes you can get in those positions and be like, I don't deserve none of this shit, Joe. If these motherfuckers only knew, you know? (laughs) What did you
0: see coming? Do you know what I mean? Like when you said we're gonna be syndicated, tell me why you thought that.
1: I just knew. I I knew the success I was having in radio. You know, I I can't even call it success. I got fired four times. Right, that's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? I had gotten fired four times, but every time I got fired, some, I got, I got, I failed up. Like I got put in a better position. So yeah. on this fourth time I got fired from radio in Philadelphia doing mornings, back home living with my mom. When I got the gig for Breakfast Club, I knew we were going to be successful because I had been watching Envy, you know, online with, when he was at Hot 97 and Power 105 and on Shave 45. Same thing with Angela E, I was watching her on Shave 45. I had guest, co- guest co-hosted on Angela E's Shave 45 show. So I just knew us three together, if we did what we always have done, and we we all were co-hosts, so I knew that would work. And if we utilized the internet the way that you know we all were individually, we would have some type of success. And I just was looking at the game. I'm like, yo, there's no this lane is wide open. Yeah, like, well,
0: that's it was definitely wide yeah, open. I'm
1: like, if we're not if if it's not us that's gonna end up being syndicated, then who? Yeah, you know, because at the time there was no you guys seem syndicated like younger shows. than everybody. Yeah, and, and that, that too, that, that's very true. Cause, I mean, at the time, Tom Joyner was kind of making his transition, you yeah. know, and there there really was nothing, there, the lane was yeah. wide open. yeah It was just there for the taking. So I just knew if we did what we were supposed to do, we were going to have success.
0: And so then it becomes- And being with
1: iHeart, being that iHeart right. likes to syndicate shows.
0: When you got fired, did you think like, yeah, I deserve that. You were right to fire me.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. I never thought about it. It was just like, damn, again. Like, I thought that was the way. You know who used to say that shit? Donnell Rollins. Donnell, Donnell Rollins used to say, if you've been fired three times in radio, you're a star.
0: He's kind of right, yeah.
1: Yeah, so when it happened the first time, I didn't I didn't know of Donnell then. It happened yeah. the second time, I didn't know of Donnell then. When it happened the third time with Wendy, you know, I had started to know Donnell. And I remember him saying that because he was doing his radio thing. Yeah. And I remember saying, like, damn, well, when the stardom gonna happen? So when I got fired the fourth time, I'm like, well, shit, I must have way Donnell, over there.
0: Donnell's only been fired twice. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I was like, man, I must be way, way overdue. And then I remember going to see him when we first started doing Breakfast Club. He was at Caroline's, and he said that on stage. He said he had a whole joke about when you've been fired three times from radio, you become a star. And he was like, man, when they fire you from radio, you know, you just gone. They go from Power 105.1, Charlamagne Tha God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy, to Power 1051, DJ Envy, Angela Yee. And, and just be like they just, just erase you. And that shit was funny, but yeah. he, he was right. Yeah, you know, so I I forgot the question. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, here's the here. I'll rephrase the question. What do you think your shortcomings are when you're? Oh, imposter syndrome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do
1: you? I I started realizing imposter syndrome after I started going to therapy, and then I started backtracking, and then that made me realize why I felt the way I felt in so many moments. You know what I mean? Like when people talk about uh, overcompensation. You know what I mean? I can go back and look at certain moments where I was acting a certain way, being a certain way because I was overcompensating for my shortcomings and creating the whole character of a Charlemagne, you know, the God, creating that character was to deflect from Lennard. You know what I mean? Maybe if I'm over here. Your real name is Lennard McKelvey. That's right. So maybe if I'm over here being this big, boisterous, loud, I don't give a fuck personality that nobody will pay attention to.
0: What's funny is you're not that big and boisterous and loud.
1: Yeah, well, back then, people might say okay. otherwise. You know All what right. I mean? But back then, it, it's like, let me protect them from this person that inside of me is shrinking in, in the corner. Got it. You know what I mean? That's why you never... I didn't used to go nowhere. I never, I've never. historically never gone gone anywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Back then, we would you know, go to the clubs and stuff, but shit, I used to have to get licked up and high out of my mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> to show up Just in public to, to back Just to get then. over the anxiety of it? Absolutely. And so it's like... Take, take take that lifestyle, getting up, getting drunk, getting high, going out every night, then going right on the radio in the morning. So yeah. it's like all that wild shit, not blaming it all on that, but a lot of that wild shit was because we was really living that lifestyle. All of us were. Me and me and Angela. We was all drunk, high, out of our minds, coming on the air, saying whatever, doing whatever, you know, talking to people, however. Okay, how did you get over the the
0: imposter syndrome?
1: Oh man, now see, that's interesting. I started like I said, I started therapy in twenty sixteen. I don't think I got over imposter syndrome until December of twenty nineteen.
0: But how do you know the date so well?
1: Cause you know, when you when you start realizing It's when
0: you this is when you brought COVID nineteen from China to America. <laughs> and you finally got over your when
1: when you start when you start uh being still and actually assessing your life and not running from your bullshit, like like, like not running from you know well for me it was like issues with my father and how my issues with my father showed up in relationships with my wife you know what i mean because i never had saw healthy relationships prior to that like every like my father and my mother got a divorce i got the mad uncles and aunts who got divorces and it was all because of infidelity and i remember you know when i confronted my pops about his infidelity when i was like 17 he literally looked me in my eyes and was like you only got one girlfriend <laughs> he was like he was like when you get older you gonna understand wait how <laughs> yeah, he was real. confused like wait like, like, so you just <laughs> that's it <laughs> so but think about what that does to a kid you're yeah. like so having one girlfriend is fucked up like I'm gonna yeah. that one girl so you spend your the rest of your existence trying to have a bunch of women to please him you know what I mean Like, like, like let him see me with different women to show him like, yeah, I ain't just out here with one woman. That ain't even what I'm what I'm about. You know what right. I mean? I really do like being with one woman. I've always historically liked being with, with one woman. So, you know, you get older and I got married in 2014 and I'm literally looking in the mirror. Cause I, like I said, I always tell people, I love my pops. I love him. He was a, a, a good man, yep. right? He pr- protected, provided, but he led with discipline you know, instead of love. And I don't like the way he, you know, did my mom. You know what I mean?
0: Can we stop on discipline real yeah. quick? Do you buy that uh, argument that black male sons, uh, black male kids need physical discipline because if they don't do it at home, white people do it in the world?
1: No, no no, no. kid needs physical discipline. Okay, Kids need love. Kids need affection. You know what I mean? Kids need in, in, encouragement. You know what I mean? Like, that's what my dad thought he was giving me when I was young, but he really was and He was fucking killing my confidence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I, I always tell a story about how when I was 16, you know, and I had just got my license and you know, I'm driving behind him. I'm following him, right? And he's like, do what I do. He's like, do what I do. So I'm driving behind him.
0: Picking up women, extra
2: women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: dri- I'm driving behind him. He runs the stop sign. I run the stop sign too. So then he pulls over, I pull over. He gets out. Walks up to the car and slaps the shit out of me.
0: You slap him back.
1: No, keep dude, going. You really. slap the do shit. Do what I me do. And he's like, "Wake up! You ain't see you. Ain't, you ain't see that fucking stop sign." I'm like, "You ran the. You told me to do what you do, and you ran the stop sign." I'm 16. I just got my fucking license. So that's where I remember in therapy unpacking that the first time I ever had a breakthrough in therapy and cried was when I was like, "Oh shit! I'm mad at my pops. Not just because of what how I felt like he did my mom. It's more so." He used to discipline me for shit he never taught me.
0: Yeah. Well, that's... I find all of childhood a lot like that. Absolutely. Like, especially back Just then. weird rules like, what? Why would they expect us to know? You're yeah, like, I'm, I've am <laughs> i never been here. Yes. How would yes. you think... How could I possibly know Yes. these fucking weird, arbitrary, yes. and entirely manufactured new rules you came up with?
1: I, I remember... And it, this happened... Recently, because it bought you know how you be having those moments in adulthood, you like oh shit. Like I remember saying to my pops, my pops had as far as I know two other kids outside of my, my, his marriage with my mom, and um, I had just met one of them. And I think at the time, let me see, I'm 44 now, maybe she's 47, 48. I'm not sure. And I remember at the time, I'm, I guess I was nine, so she was 13. I was like, guess what, Dad? In four years. I'm gonna be the same age as you know, uh, uh, Tara's her name, right? And he was like, "How the fuck are you gonna be the same age as her? She's gonna be, she's gonna go, she's gonna age up four years." And I'm like, "I'm like, oh shit, you know, he's right." But I'm like, a yeah, kid, I'm not even yeah, thinking it was about all it. Like,
0: hey, you know, numbers are new to me, yeah, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I'm new a, to this whole numbers and aging, and there's some systems yeah. here that
1: are fucking foreign. And I might, I might have been a little older than nine. I don't remember, but l- that recently happened with uh, look at. After twelve,
0: you deserve any sort of physical discipline he no. would have given you for that.
1: <laughs> but up till then, have at it. And that, that recently happened with my oldest daughter. I forgot who she was talking about, but she she said something similar. And I and I I when she said it, I yo, it took me. And you me, had to fight the impulse and be like, you stupid motherfucker. Yo, it took me right back to that. Like literally, it took me back to that moment in childhood that shit felt like back to the future like all right motherfucker you get a chance to correct history yeah what are you going to do and i was it was you know gentle parenting like uh do a little math baby like that you know what i mean like you know yeah she's she's laughing like oh you right you know what i mean yeah like and it was it was just that simple and And and, let's let's
0: call grandpa on speaker
1: but but tell him what a
2: piece of shit he is
1: but i told her about my experience when that happened. I was like, yo, I did the same thing when I was like yeah. around your age, you know what I mean? I, she's 14, so this might've been like last year. I was like, I did the same exact thing. And I told her how, how my dad reacted as opposed to how I reacted.
0: But there's still the idea that, like your your dad just had his own experience on earth and was like unhealed. And, oh, ha- and then, 100%. so he takes it out on you and that's his experience and your experience is like, hey, and you, there's validity to both of your experience. You know what I mean? Like, he's wrong in this situation, but, like, it's all understandable.
1: I learned, I, that's another thing I learned in therapy. Give your parents grace. Yeah. Because my dad was doing the best thing he, the best he could with what he had. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier. We the first generation that had the luxury of healing. They were just yeah. trying to survive. He couldn't even tell anybody he was going to therapy back then. Think about yeah. that. Yeah. And if he did, nobody took him serious. Yeah. My mom, and got my mom's a beautiful, English teacher, Jehovah Witness, very, super empath. She thought he was playing crazy to get a check. Think, yeah. think about that. So it's like, yo, he he was doing the best he could. So I give him all the grace in the world.
0: This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Guys, shouldn't you always be at your best? 2023 is the year to maximize your performance in the bedroom, wherever you have sex. Listen up. Bluechew.com. Bluechew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredient as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in a chewable tablet and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, anywhere, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Wink. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, You'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chews tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet Wink package. All right, so look, do I ever uh, take an erectile pill? I could sit here and tell you that I don't, but I'm all about vulnerability. And you're damn right I have. Here's my feeling about it. Why not? You know what I mean? Nobody knows. So, I mean, you know. So, you'll know when we finally have sex, listener, that occasionally I take a, an erectile dysfunction pill. It's, a, it's insurance. Or as people in the South call it, insurance. Why not give myself a little help? Inexpensive. Chewable, LFG. Let's fucking go. Blue Chew wants to help you have uh, better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code, Neil, N-E-A-L, at checkout. Pay just $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code Neil, to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information, and we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Thank you, Blue Chew. New year, new you. Stay on track with Magic Spoon, cereal that tastes like your childhood faves, but with more protein and less sugar. They got a variety pack. They got four flavors, which are cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. This pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five net grams of carbs. Only 140 calories a serving. Uh, It's high protein, has zero sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. Not vegan. Neil, aren't you vegan? Look, between you and me, I'm mostly vegan. Sometimes I'll, I'll eat a milk or a cheese. I don't ask a lot of questions, you know? On sweets days, Sundays, sometimes I will slide some magic spoon into the repertoire. My favorites are peanut butter and frosted. I'm glad they came on as a sponsor because I actually used the product. It's delicious and crunchy. Go to magicspooncom Neil to grab a variety pack and try today and be sure to use our promo code. N E A L at checkout to save $5 off your order. And magic spoon is so confident in their product. It's back with a hundred percent happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember, Get your next delicious bowl of high protein cereal at MagicSpoon.com slash N-E-A-L and use the code N-E-A-L to save five dollars off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Thank you, Magic Spoon. Okay, let's go to one of your blogs. Social media. Yeah. Tell me.
1: Because you said you would do it. The question was, what causes you?
0: What makes you feel like something's wrong with you or something you feel alone or crazy? which
1: is why I disconnect because these motherfuckers will literally get online and tell you something's wrong with you all the goddamn time. Dude, it's (laughs) wild. It's unbelievable. There's nothing productive on social media. It's It's like I
0: was thinking if you want to, when they go, why do celebrities get plastic surgery? Go to the comment section of any celebrity, just a photo. That's right. The amount of criticism they're in for is insane so like cause people told them to get plastic surgery. you know what I mean That's like right. I get why they're doing it cause they're they have no power in their mm-hmm. life and basically if you have status in the world your social media is one of those dunk tanks That's right. where they just get to throw balls and they <laughs> they hit it That's and you right. fall into the water so it's just as somebody who gets commented on how have you what's
1: been your arc with it I disconnected cause I learned that you know in order to if you want to really lead the orchestra, you got to turn your back, you know, to the crowd. And, and I remember when they were like calling me like the hip hop Howard Stern and all that shit like that, like reading those articles, seeing stuff like that about me on social media or seeing all of this, seeing what people liked about you. Right. Like what people liked about you may be the things that you don't like about yourself. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going home to a beautiful woman every day who don't like none of this shit that I'm doing. You know what I mean? But in my mind, I'm like, what? What? what, what Like, all, what? All this shit, like talking crazy to women in interviews, being overly sexual. Like, I, that was during the era of, like, I'm reading Max Tucker and shit like that. You know what right. I mean? So all of that college frat boy, yeah. perverted, you know, humor yeah. is like the shit, right? So it's yeah. like, I'm doing that on the air. And then when people say, oh, you're the hip hop Howard Stern, like, We've all seen private parts. I've read private parts. Like, oh, this is what they want. You know what I mean? Right. I'm gonna give them more of this. Oh, J Lo's coming here. When she leaves, I'm gonna sniff her seat. I, can I tell everybody when she comes to do the interview? I'm gonna sniff her seat. Like stupid shit like yeah. that. You know. So it's like that. Reading those comments and people gassing you up, telling you yeah. this is what they like about you. Like that right there fueled a lot of a lot of bullshit. You and you, so
0: you don't even consider that like market research going like, I like that no, about him. No, no. Well, what's funny is that the thing people like about you isn't that.
1: But I but I didn't yeah. realize that. So when somebody says you're the hip hop Howard Stern, my dumb ass didn't even stop to think well, what, what parts of Howard? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because Howard's one of the most phenomenal interviewers Right
0: Well that's You both have the same arc Which that's is my like thing You know what I mean Less that And more insight Yeah or, or he would And curiosity
1: Or he would speak out Against things he didn't like You know what I mean yeah. It wasn't The the baloney ass Toss shit That he was doing You know what I mean <laughs> Like that's the old shit But we You don't know that I didn't I never stopped to think about it I'm just like They like this wild shit I'm gonna keep giving them You know This wild shit And then you look in the mirror Cause you Like I said You at home with your, your, your the love of your life, and did you
0: think your wife was like just hating, and you're trying to sink the ship that's, that's keeping us afloat? In, that.
1: in my mind, I wasn't hating. It. In my mind, I'm just like yo, I gotta get this money, right? I gotta. Like, this is what's keeping the lights on. I don't want to get fired. I've been fired four times. Do you remember how that felt when we had to pack up and move back to South Carolina, like you know, with a two year old, you know? And now this two year old is older now. Like I gotta. This is what's paying the bills right yeah. now. You know what I mean? But then you realize, like, man, no, none of that shit matters because you are so unhappy.
0: And did the social media, did you, was it hard to quit? When you say quit, what does that mean? It means you well, have yeah, somebody. I, I haven't
1: been on Twitter in four, four or five years now. So so it went from being fueled by Twitter to the more you grow and, and, and you're, you're in this game. The more, the more my name grew, the more outlandish shit started to get. You know what I mean? The more attacks started to actually happen. You know what I mean? And sometimes you go online and you'd be like, who the fuck is this person that they talk about? Like it, yeah. it, they say I'm homophobic, transphobic, yeah. I hate, I hate black women. Uh, but then they say I pander the black women, well, it's also, I'm a it, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a uncle Tom and a sellout. How can I be an uncle Tom, a sellout, and racist? Like, like yeah. I'm getting I'm, yeah. I'm getting labeled everything. I I'm gay and homophobic. Yeah. I'm transitioning and I'm transphobic. Like I'm yeah. getting all of this shit at once. You yeah. know what I mean? So it was just like. Yo, I can't listen to none of this. It'll drive you, it'll drive me fucking insane. Well, that's
0: the other thing is as much as we all go like, ah, oh, I don't pay attention to the comments. It's like you're looking at a human being saying something about you, even if you're the hardest motherfucker in the world, it that's gets right. in six, five, seven percent. That's right. So, and if you're like sensitive, it gets in 40.
1: I heard so, a fucking trick trick, the rapper one time, Trick Trick said, Man soon as I turn my phone off I don't give a fuck about what none of y'all motherfuckers talking about right yeah and I was like oh shit he's right you yeah. know because I'm like why are we in verbally abusive relationships with our smartphones
0: you're absolutely right and it's yeah it's like I'll notice like like if I, I take Instagram off my phone and then I'm like
1: oh, I feel pretty good well Instagram I can do for one reason you can filter shit
0: yeah, no, that's great. So you I can like literally about, yeah. just, anything you don't want to see, like, yeah. put, that's
1: right, the words, and you don't have to see it. Twitter, you don't have no choice. So for I me,
0: blocked every word on on Instagram except except for uh, hilarious <laughs> and gorgeous <laughs> and icon.
1: I blocked any any word I don't want to see. Yep. Anything, anything I know is going to fuck up my mental health, I blocked. Twitter, I don't have that luxury, so I just choose not to be over there. Yeah. You know, and I haven't deleted it yet because it's just like, I don't know, I feel like, you know, one day they're going to, pay people for those two million followers maybe i don't know yeah i stopped i, I think i when i got like 2.5 million followers i stopped instagram yeah. kept growing it, twitter i don't even i don't even go over there
0: well and i don't think that you're a bitch for blocking work like i block why wouldn't i block yeah because that's what basically boundaries are and we all have boundaries It's like chris's chris rocks joke about like you only go so far in an argument and like women will say shit and then kind of wince when they go too far. Like your mom is a bitch and like that. Eh. <laughs> um, but there's like, we, yeah, it's like if you wouldn't say that if I was near you.
1: Absolutely. So absolutely. I'm going to block you
0: from saying things that you wouldn't say. Absolutely. I'm doing you a favor, absolutely sir. So But I'm, yeah, it's still hard. I I'm trying to think of like in the last 24 hours, I looked at something and, and that like seeped in.
1: And and people go literally on Twitter just to ruin your day. I would tweet out every morning, "Thank you God for blessing you with another day of life." And like clockwork, there would be somebody saying, oh, "I was praying you died."
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know what I I, mean? I one time tweeted uh, it. It was I was up early and I tweeted, uh, "Thank thank you God for blessing Charlemagne with another day of life." <laughs> also, people, this if, reminds me of another thing. I I I've done ayahuasca a bunch of times. to talk about it endlessly. But last time I did it, there were some moments that were like difficult, like just like woozy and kind of connected to God and whatever. And I kept doing your line. And we thank God for it all. And but I was God getting my ass whooped.
1: In the ayahuasca experience? Yeah. yeah. I credit you with that too. I'm, do, I'm doing it this year. Like I, I, Everybody tells me don't do it till it calls you. I feel like it's been calling me the last couple of years. And I always say Neil Brennan said he saw god neil Brennan didn't even believe in god he was an atheist until he did ayahuasca i want to roy was
0: on here last night roy did it through my people and uh and the shit and he it's a two-night thing roy only did one night because he got so much from the first night that he wow. was like peace and he told me the shit he got from it and it's like i could cry telling you what he got from it did they
1: tell him he was getting a daily show
0: you know what they said? He's they're giving him one week. That's what ayahuasca. Told. Um, in it's gonna be in April. It's gonna be one week. They he, ayahuasca said Leslie's gonna do it and be great.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: Wanda and um, so I gotcha on ayahuasca. But it was I meant to tell you that that it was I was like literally going and we thank God for it all. And I'm getting like pummeled.
1: And I had a shaman send me a book earlier this year. That's how I know I'm supposed to do it this year. A shaman sent me a book through Andrew Schultz. And he signed it and everything. And he was like, yo, I've been watching your healing journey. And I'm I'm I we have been talking, so I'm I'm setting up this experience. Man. It might be the same person you use. I don't know. I'm gonna t- I'll tell you afterwards. Off the air. Yeah.
0: Wink wink. All right, one of your blocks is crowds.
1: Yeah. I don't like crowds. I've never, I've never, I've never liked large crowds. This is one of the school. Reasons
0: cafeteria schools
1: cafeteria one of the reasons I don't I never like going to concerts you know I love comedy shows you know what I mean but I, I like I, and I love going to them but you know I, I just don't like being in those big crowds you know and, and, and especially nowadays you know because you don't know why people are looking at you mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like, like you like how Jay-Z said friend of foe yo state your biz you don't know if somebody's like oh that's Charlamagne I fuck with him you know what I mean are they just like Oh, I'm going to get that motherfucker. Because some yeah. people will speak and be like, oh, what up? I mean, you know what I mean? And some people will be like, and even the people that speak, you don't, you. I don't know why you approaching me. That might just be to the, 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 the get me distracted. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I don't like That's another crowds. downside of
0: social media, I think. Meaning you don't know how people know you. Yeah. And you don't know if they're like, oh, if you got into a feud with somebody. Absolutely. And you're like, oh, are you on his side? That's like, right. you don't know how people know you, what they think of you, what they... If they if or or if there's automatic resentment because you have status more than them right. and all that shit. And it is makes people paranoid. That's right. In a way that but you already had that. You like that's already right. didn't like is it like trampling? Is it like a fear all of, of that, like a stampede? Because
1: we live in a world where the only thing that's keeping us safe is um one one of us not going so called crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So yeah. our whole existence is avoiding crazy. You know what I mean? You don't want to be around anything that's unstable or might snap. So you, you can be in controlled environments like, okay, I know Neil, you know what I mean? I'm in a room yeah. with people that I know. I've been around before. I've been in this room before. Yeah. So yeah. It's, you know, it's,
0: odds are no one's going to swing Absolutely. At you. you know, yeah. but
1: when you're places that you don't know all of these people, man, that's a lot of energies you're just hoping don't bug out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know? So for that reason, I really don't, I don't, I can't do crowds. What did you do with this at your book signings? Um, sit behind the desk, but that's, that's, even that is controlled, right? Because right. it's a lot of security, you know, if the crazy comes, I don't have to deal with it. You know what I mean? So it's like, you sitting there, you sign your books, you say hi to people. The book signers were interesting. That's funny you asked me that. Cause like I said, I, I never was, I wasn't, I wasn't out. Like there was a time when we were in all the clubs, breakfast club would go around the country and host parties, stuff like that. Like I said, I was drunk high to be able to go out and do that. But I remember telling Angela and then be like, yo, whatever we want to be doing five years from now, we got to start doing now. I don't want to be in the clubs five years from now. So I stopped. I stopped going to the clubs, stopped doing our annual day party, all of that type of stuff. And when I put the book out, I would have like speaking engagements, right? Um, But when we had the book signings, I hadn't been out. I hadn't been out in a few years. So when this book comes out. COVID came early for you. (laughs) Yes.
0: Basically. Yeah.
1: So when this book comes out, man, I'm going to these book signings and 800, 900 people are showing up to the bookstores. And I'm like, for me? Right, you know what I mean? And then that's where a lot of the imposter syndrome started to come into place. Because number one, I'm happy to see these people and I'm like, man, I can't believe these people care about me enough to to buy my book. But also, I don't deserve none of this shit. Mm
2: -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's
1: a double whammy. It's the crowd and I don't deserve any of this shit. You know what I mean? But luckily, I was able to just... Take in that moment, because in my mind, also your mindset, you know, this is never gonna happen again. Even though it did happen again for my second book, but I was like, for the first book, I'm like, this is never gonna happen again. So You better enjoy it, enjoy the fucking moment. And
0: the funny thing is that what do, what do most people say in line?
1: They love me. They, they just like it. thank you. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. I lo- thank you. You know, I appreciate. and man, you know, especially when the after after the book was out for like a month. Yeah, you know, because people the debut read it. on the New York Times sellers, Oh, when they read it, it was like, oh, I had people in line saying, I used to hate you. So I read your book, you know, like, so I was like, oh, shit, you know what I mean? Or even, even those moments, right, like, in my mind, I'm this despicable human that does all of this wild, perverted shit on the air, but no, actually, you've been balanced. You give people, there's there's, there's people coming up to you talking to me about interviews that I didn't even think that they watched, like, you know what I mean, like, And I loved when you had, you know, Dick Gregory on. I loved when you had, you know, an honorable minister Louis Farrakhan on. I loved when you, like that, it was that as well. And it was those, you know, those moments where I would, I would, I always would talk about my life and talk about things that I learned. That's why I was able to, my first book, I was able to write these lessons that I learned in my life. Those eight lessons that I put in my book, that's what I had been living off for a while. So I was always giving those lessons out. I just never had documented them in a book. So people... They gravitated towards that too. So the thing that I even thought people liked me for, they ain't give a fuck about that shit.
0: Well, that's what I was saying. It's like <laughs> that's not what people like. But no. They don't. They
1: don't. No. So I got them caught in my own head. Like I said, reading comments. Yeah. But that also shows you that the internet is the bottom of the barrel, right? Like, do you really want to cater to think these? Think about a
0: person who would make a comment on the internet. Like I, I don't think I know anyone that would make it. Like that's right. That it's just people that are have bad lives that's and they right. just take a shot at somebody with that looks like they have a that's good right. life
1: and it really hasn't changed at all at all it's gotten worse Yeah. so you really cater you really want to cater to these idiots yeah you know and I see so many people doing that now that's why I'm able to recognize it like I got a lot of friends whether they political pundits yeah. whether they comedian I'm like bro don't play to that crowd yeah bro. you don't want that I, I can talk to somebody and be like that's not that's Twitter talking bro yeah. that ain't even you you know I yeah. hate that shit
0: yeah what was the shift in the in the imposter syndrome? Because I can oh. say for myself, okay. it was, I just did enough sh- things on my own, without Dave, for lack of a better explanation, that people really respected, and people that I respected respected, and I could tell that there was like a, the way people's energy was around me was different than it was a year prior. Mm-hmm. And it. I'm sorry to say it felt good. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like we shouldn't pay attention to what the outside world says, whatever, whatever. But your peers or your, I think you can pay attention and notice the level of respect.
1: I think the shift for me was remembering something that my father always told me is that you're never as good as they say you are and you're never as bad as they say you are. And also uh, a great mentor of mine, my man, Com- uh, Cadillac Jack. Cadillac Jack would say, uh, remember the rule of 10. Three people gonna like it. Three people not gonna like it. Four people don't even give a fuck. They just sitting yeah. around waiting to see what the the, the, the the popular opinion is, you know? And then I remember having a conversation and to name drop two people, so pick them up. Uh, Tyler Perry, I remember yeah. watching Tyler Perry talk about worthiness and how, you know, he, he dealt with um, uh, uh, not feeling worthy for a while and, you know, I don't remember what his moment was that started making him feel worthy, but he just was saying, when you get to that place, you're going to know. And I remember having a, I had a conversation with Bishop T.D. Jakes. It's, it's actually documented because we did it for his podcast. It's on YouTube. And I was talking to him about it. And this was something, it was interesting at the time because this was something I was unpacking in therapy about being molested when I was eight, you know, um, by, by my, my, a woman. And I was getting molested at eight. And then Bishop T.D. Jakes, I, t- I was talking to him about that and unpacking my feelings of unworthiness so it was like I was having a conversation with him in that moment but I was also having that same conversation in therapy and I remember him saying to me people who have been molested at that young age usually struggle with feelings of un- unworthiness you know what I mean they never quite feel secure and then when I thought about it right I'm like damn this woman not only used to you know, molest me. I didn't look at it as molestation back then. I still thought she let me something yeah, titties. 90s. And, <laughs> yeah, you let me something yeah. titties. You, you know, <laughs> give me head at nine. It's like <laughs> oh, yeah, You heard that? Exactly, right? I didn't look at it like that. So when I stopped letting her, you know, it's it's a natural thing inside of you that eventually, even though it feels good, you like this shit ain't right. Something yeah. ain't right. Why you don't yeah. want me to tell? Nobody. Which I don't understand
0: time or numbers because I'm nine, <laughs> but this is not, I know that this isn't rice.
1: right. So I remember one time I had, you remember those little firecrackers you throw and they yeah. pop? So I had some and she tried to come at me. Every time adult would leave the room, she would try to come at me. I pop, pop, throw the firecrackers at her. And when I stopped letting her do that, like, yo, she would, she started calling me ugly and telling me I had a big nose and that shit stuck with me. Yeah. Right. So. Me having a... Oh, you ugly. You got a big nose. I felt that way for a long time. Then you get grow older and you get in like middle school and kids are calling you Bunky Nose, right? That, that, that was, that, that's what you call me middle school, Bunky Nose. Good. Pretty good. Great, great, pretty, right? Pretty good slam. But talking about. I didn't realize I'm connecting traumas. You know what yeah. I mean? Because me getting called Bunky Nose triggered me from when I was eight years old and this woman was telling me that I had a big nose. So I thought throughout my whole life I had to please people. I had to give people what they wanted from me even if it didn't make me happy because if I didn't make them happy they would make me feel bad yeah right so that I unpacked all that in therapy and when Bishop T.D. Jakes was talking to me about worthiness and he he said that to me and I'm just like oh shit I started to connect all these dots as to why I feel the way I feel and I just remember December 2019 it was the holidays and I'm I'm sitting in my room my my at, at my old crib and I just remember literally sitting there, looking out the window, saying, "Yo, I'm worthy, yo. I'm worthy." You know, you look at, you look at, you look at down at your living room and you see the Christmas tree and everything. And I think at the time I only had two daughters at the time because I think it was like 2018, 2019. I had three daughters at the time. So you're looking down and you're like, "Damn, I'm worthy." Like I literally was just, I just said it to myself: "I am worthy." You know, I am a good person. I've done good for myself. You know, and. Like from that moment and it stuck. on it's it stuck. What's funny, it's
0: when it finally like yeah. you can almost physically feel the shift.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what it felt like. It's like, yo, you are not all of these different, you know, yeah. moments that have happened to you. You know what I mean? Like they, they you are you are those things, but you know, you're you're not just those things. So don't let those things own you. And when it's so like when you're not a, a
0: boonkey What is bunky nose? Boonkey nose. What's <laughs> great about kids is I don't even never heard the word boonkey.
1: And it was and a it, jingle.
0: And it gets it. It gets its point across.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one of my one of my homegirls had a jingle for it. Boonkey nose. Great. Whenever I would walk in.
0: Even even better. <laughs> one of your blocks. Small talk.
1: Small talk.
0: Didn't see that coming. Seeing as that's kind of your one of your jobs.
1: Well, no, I feel like when I'm doing interviews, it's a real conversation. Yeah,
0: I, you know what? I totally agree with you. Yeah. By the way, like I don't like it's the it's the introversion thing. It's like the like hey, I, when you finally go like, I mean, recently it's been like a hot. It's almost like a, a a astrological sign. Like I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert or whatever. But once you realize it, it's not. It's that's by the way what people like about you mm-hmm. is that you don't. I don't do small talk either.
1: I hate it. I can't do it. I'd rather be quiet.
2: Totally
0: agree. And, 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 and that's
1: how I am. I, I if, if we're together, like I'm probably, I'm probably quiet. I'm probably zoned out thinking about something. I might be on my phone, but I'm not, like, I'm not there. I don't want to just make conversation for the sake of making conversation just because we're in the same space. That's why I love people who understand that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love people who understand. We ain't here to make no 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 small talk. You know what I mean? That's why my circle is the way that it is. Like when my friends are talking, we're talking. When we're not, we ain't tripping that we're not.
0: I get people wanna connect, but to a lot of us, it feels like the opposite of connection. It feels like an insult to actual connection. Yes. Like, you know, we can really connect. Yeah. If you want to, and then people do the thing like, well, this is getting deep. And you're like, I don't care about where you, what your favorite team. I don't care.
1: I could give a fuck less. Yeah. And, And the crazy part is when you do it for a living, like we do, that's the last thing you want to do is just have small talk, you yeah. know what I mean? Like we have conversations for a living. We're always constantly talking. So if we're not actually talking about something, yeah. let's, can we cut the chit chat, please?
0: Yeah, and you can do it in a way that, you can talk in a way that people appreciate and it isn't bullshit, it's just not uh, bullshit. Oh
1: man, and, and it's what you were saying about the uh, people trying to make deep connections, the worst thing in the world is when you're like at a club or you're out somewhere and somebody takes that time to try to tell you something deep.
0: Yeah, and you're like,
1: wow, <sighs> wow, wow,
0: wow. You can only hit him with a wow. Wow, wow, Yeah, wow. like, why are you doing this right now? Yes. You know I can't really hear you. There's, yes. I love deep yes. conversation. Yeah. But not here, Not sir. here,
1: bro, this ain't the time. Like, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah.
0: Yo, can I speak? Yo, I was molested too. You're like, we're at Summer Jam. Maybe not now, sir.
1: <laughs> and you know what? I, you can't feel bad about telling people no, right? Like, I, I, I did that to Prince. Tried to make small talk because <laughs> it was Prince. Prince was at the radio station. This was years ago. This is like, this is literally like when Breakfast Club first started. It's like 12 years ago. We've been on. This is we're in our 13th year. So this had to be like 12, 11 years ago. And we're in the studio and somebody goes, yo, Prince is in the building. And like, Prince is in the building? Mind you, it's 6.30 in the fucking mm-hmm. morning. Nobody's there except for the morning show. I'm like, why? We didn't hear nothing about Prince being on the air today. So put the studio on auto, go in the hall. Soon as we open, you've been to the Old Breakfast yeah. Club studio. Soon as we come out the door, Prince is walking by. Like, oh shit, Prince, nicest guy in the world. He comes over, he shakes our hand. I go, I grew up Jehovah Witness too. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes oh we're gonna have to talk about that one day and i'm when the fuck would we ever talk about that again like yeah. you know what i mean And yeah. then i go can we get a picture and he's like no i don't i'm not in the mood to take a picture right now it's early in the morning i respect it no small talk yeah in no small talk handshakes hey respect it don't want to take pictures hey we got to talk about that one day out yeah that's it Great. i don't know why i feel the need some time to stand there and talk to the person you just choke (laughs) just just a good old-fashioned choke. you just choked on it
0: yeah um sativa we kind of covered
1: yeah for all the all the reasons we talked about yeah because the worst thing you could do is take sativa when you're in a crowd and not
0: is are we talking any weed or we're talking no i love indigo that okay so you are one of the people who understand strains because it's like all just makes me fold in on myself.
1: My favorite thing now is this hybrid. I do this hybrid. It's called, uh, what's the brand name? It's called Wana. Or, it's not Wawa. was the convenience store. It's like Wana, I think it is. Uh-huh. W-A-N-A. And it's a uh, it's a hybrid. It's a watermelon hybrid. I don't even know what it's a hybrid of. I'm assuming it's sativa and indigo. Or maybe it's indigo and CBD. But it's a watermelon hybrid. And I do 10 milligrams of that. And it... Makes me feel how I think weed makes everybody else feel. Right. <laughs> you know how when you saw people yeah. smoking weed all well, these years and you're like, yeah. oh shit, when I do that, I'm like, okay, now I get why y'all do this. Relaxed, not absolutely, anxious, absolutely. cool. And that same humane. brand has another one that's a grape one that's just a straight indigo. And if I do five, 10 milligrams of that, same thing. Like that, when I do those, I realize why people uh, partake in THC. Great.
0: Okay, this is a good one. Over committing yeah. and not saying no. Yeah. I assume that this, you being here is that, I'm kidding. Um, You overcommitted. You wanted to say no and you were like, I can't.
1: No, I I didn't want to say no. But then I had two other things at 11 o'clock that I didn't, like you saw me on the Zoom earlier and I was like, oh shit. But that was because I didn't even have to be on that. I saw that that was happening. Yes. And I told my people like, yo, I'm gonna jump on at 11, right, but my assistant's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, you, 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 at, you got Neil at 11, but then you got this other thing at 11, you got another thing at 11, and she's like, stop doing that. That is why I'm here, like, direct them to me. And, that's yeah. what, and and so that I have to, you know, commit to that, like, okay, you know what, yeah. And because it sounds crazy, right? Talk to my assistant. I know. But you realize why people do that. That's yeah. not some boo, it, it reminds me when I first moved to New York and realized why people wear fur coats. All before I thought everybody was just oh you just wearing a fucking fur coat to show yeah. off. We're like, no, you actually might need a fur coat in New yeah, York yeah. City. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. You, you
0: don't. Just FYI, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> They're still just doing it to wear you a fur to. coat. Might have used to.
1: Climate change might have changed that. Back <laughs> in the day,
0: you used man. Back in my day, you had to wear a fucking animal fur. In the nineties, it was that's how cold it was.
1: I don't. I still don't have a fur, by the way.
0: But- so all right. So how do you? Why do you think you overcommit? People pleasing. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it goes back to... You don't want
0: to be called Boogie Nose.
1: That's it. Say work yeah. People-pleasing. Yeah. Making people happy. Don't want people to be like, oh, man, you know, I tried to do such and such with him and he gave me his assistant's number. Yeah. He, he blew me off. He told me he would do it and he didn't do it. Yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? Like, all of that. Like, yeah. it's literally, literally people-pleasing. Like, that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. It goes back to that little eight-year-old boy who was getting molested, who made the woman stop. And when he made that woman stop, that woman put every insecurity into him telling him he's ugly he got a big nose you know nobody's gonna ever like him yada 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 that shit
0: okay well how do you deal with the idea of someone else's judgment because that's the that's not easy still not easy right so how do you how do you compartmentalize it or how do you see it is it just like that's just part i saw somebody said jordan peterson said that if in order to be a leader you have to be comfortable with not being liked. And that, I, I don't even know if I agree with it, but I think I I, I agree with it in some way.
1: I think I got to weigh my in, intention over the impact. Because at the end of the day, we say our first, last, and best love is self-love, right? So, you know, if if, if, if you're not happy, if you're not satisfied, if your cup isn't full, how are you going to pour into other people? So I, I, I consider myself a public servant. Like, I really do feel like I'm here to be of service to others but service to others doesn't mean you know
0: disservice to yourself
1: disservice to yourself making them feel good at your expense so if it's not gonna make me feel good then I just gotta simply say no and if that person doesn't understand that or respect that you know then you probably shouldn't have been doing nothing for that person to begin with and I don't owe anybody no excuses like I don't have to call and be like, hey man, I'm not coming because I'm having a panic attack, you know what I'm saying? Hey hey man, I'm sorry, man, I overcommitted, man. I should have directed you to my assistant, but I didn't. Now I got this other thing to do that honestly is more important, you know? I get get what you got going on, you know what I mean? But honestly, what I got going on is more important. I am happy to be here because I like having com- I yeah. genuinely ha- like having conversations with you. Yeah, like, I do. I, I've, yeah, I've always enjoyed listening to you, and I enjoy having conversations. So yes. I'm like, oh, gee, Neil called me to come to the podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna go do it. I'm 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 actually free. I mean, the only yeah. thing I got is some zooms. You right. know what I mean? But like, I'm
0: saying, how do you deal with if someone you didn't want to talk? Like, do you deal? Is it is it one of these things of like I'm so busy that I can't do everything, and that's fine, and I pre forgive you?
1: I'm fine. I, I guess you got to let them argue over you being an asshole. Cause everybody's experience is different, right? So if there is something, meaning
0: you just accept, like, yes, I'm going to have to live with the fact that you may think I'm an asshole. I might
1: be a villain in that person's story. I might be an asshole in that person's story. You know, hopefully, there's enough people having enough conversations about me that if you talk to ten different people, you'll probably get ten different things. But at least there might be one consistent thing, and that one consistent thing, I hope, is that oh, he does he shows up for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like because you're not going to win them all because some shit I just don't want to do, and people get offended. When you yeah. like, I don't want to do that. Like, why? Why? Because I don't want
0: to. Yeah, like I can't. Like, you know how you like one flavor of ice yeah, cream, man. but not another.
1: That's it. Right. Some shit just ain't for me. And this well,
0: is... do you get offended by shit? No. You don't get offended by somebody not wanting to. Not at all. Fuck with you or somebody. Not at all. I, and I guess because because it's kind of the same thing. You're dealing with somebody else's judgment. Yeah. Of
1: and, you. And I know how. I know how that feels. You know? So, no, I don't. And also, when it comes to rejection, man, I think if you've been in this business long enough, you know how to deal with rejection. You know what I'm saying?
0: Fury. Just get furious about (laughs) it and really take it personally, Charlie. And that's my plan. You
1: know what helps you with rejection? When something gets turned down and it may not have been for that person, but then somebody else loves it. Yeah. Picks it up and it, it you know, it, like it just wasn't for that person. Like, they, I, and I never take that personal. You go pitch something and it's yeah. like, oh, I'm not feeling that. You know yeah. what I mean? But Like, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do about it. It just wasn't for that individual. I'm trying to force it down that person's throat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I'm gonna go over here. Yeah. And this person is gonna put, put it in their mouth willingly. <laughs>
0: One time I was pitching a movie with a buddy of mine and a guy named Mike Scher, who's gone on to do, created Parks and Rec and Good Place and like, wow. a killer. Wow, we were pitching a movie I mean here's two I don't want to tell that story but one of the stories is in the middle of a pitch we're just bombing just getting nothing and I look over at sure and he's talking and it was like the sound went down and I just saw like one bead of sweat coming down his fucking cheek and I looked at the guy and I go we'll come back with another one Wow. like but it, don't worry about this like we'll just come back with another like we're just you don't like this one yeah, there's yeah, nothing yeah. we can do like yeah. fine and, just, and, and yeah. tell me that just tell me yeah it's like you just don't like it and i get it cool yeah. goodbye like i like some movies more than others Absolutely. and some of the movies i don't like are extremely popular
1: absolutely so
0: you know i get it like we're allowed to have taste. it is hard that's the beauty of age is that you really learn how to not take shit personally oh. but man it took me thirty years to figure that out. I
1: read the Four Agreements. Who who knows how long ago? De- a decade or better, right? Probably longer. And that Four Agreement of uh, uh, don't take things personally. What people do is not because of you. You that shit. You don't realize that till you get wild older. Like you yeah. know what I mean. It's hard because like, like, do me don't take things personally. What what other people do is because of them and not me. What huh? You know.
0: Well, they they say don't take the bad stuff personally but take the good stuff personally yeah and yeah, it's like yeah, well yeah. i can't this is very inconsistent yeah because you want the good stuff to seep into my self-esteem but the bad stuff some mix up yeah and it's like yeah
1: but that's I, my dad you're never as good as they say you are you're never as bad as they say you are it's just all it's just all noise at the end of the day yeah you just got to be here with it like all everything that you're looking for has to come from inside
0: i I know it's the but the world really competes with the messaging on that the the world is constantly going like it's over here yeah it's in this drink yeah. it's in this it's this shirt yeah it's this achievement it's this and you truly have to like make a concerted effort like no that it's can never be that that's right it cannot be i'll participate
1: and i'll try to win when I do it, but like, it can't be that. It might be some of those things, but do those things because you genuinely want to do those things. Yeah. I, I like drinking, drinking now is better for me because I'm not overindulging. Like I'm not drinking a whole bottle of motherfucking, you know, Remy Martin, you know, yeah. just because I'm really trying to suppress all of this anxiety. Like I'm not doing that, but when I'm out, I, I truly understand what they why they call it spirits. You know uh-huh. what I mean? I can have two, you know, Double shots of tequila and be good all night long because I'm drinking because I actually want to. Yeah, I'm not drinking to suppress anything. I'm drinking because I'm feeling festive because I'm out yeah. with my people where and you socializing. like people, and yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You
0: love crowds all of a sudden. No,
1: <laughs> I love my I love my crowd. Like, <laughs> yeah. I love that circle I choose to be with in that moment.
0: Well, and I'm, I know that I'm contradicting myself because I said that like my self-esteem changed when I got more respect from other people but it's i wish i didn't i wish i'd just gotten it from some core soul wisdom but unfortunately we don't live in a it, it it's a fucked up exist it's a My, crazy existence
1: mine was core soul wisdom when i realized i really am who i say i am meaning that when i started to actually you know do the work on myself and like the hardest thing to cut out was like other women Right? When I, you know, and I call it sobriety. This what, I
0: mean, that's why me and your dad never did it. We never cut out other women.
1: <laughs> and, that's why, and that's why I call it sobriety. Cause it's like, yo, I haven't even thought about being with another woman since 2016, you know what I mean? Like yeah. October of 2016. And I'm like, yo, this is one of the things that I have to cut out in order to be the man that I truly want to be. Not just for myself, but for my wife for my daughters, you know what I mean? So it's like 2016 to now. And I don't have the desire in any way, shape, or form. I am so happy, you know, I am so happy in my wife with my wife. I'm so happy in my marriage, like, you know, I'm, I'm able to pour into her in a different way. We're pouring into each other in a different way. And when you cut, when I cut that out, I'm like, okay, I'm not full of shit. Because you, you feel full of shit. Real
0: quick, do you think cheating is more ego-based or Passive aggressive. It's all ego.
1: Okay. It's, all, it's 100% ego. You know what I mean? Because as, as, as a man, especially in this business, like that's almost like it, it's supposed to come with it, right? Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like, yes. like, It's yes. supposed to come with it. And if you're not doing it, you feel like something's wrong. Goes back to my pops. My yeah. pops looking at me saying, oh, you only got one girlfriend in this business? Oh, you ain't got no hoes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, and th- you like, You holist? Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you think you're supposed to have a bunch of different women, you know what I mean? Like you're out at the club, you know, you hosting a party, it's supposed to be a flock of women coming in here. And when I realized I cut that out and that was no longer a part of my life, that was like a real commitment, right? And I know I know people say, oh, you're not supposed to get props for doing the right thing. You're absolutely correct. But I'm just talking about internally for me- It's hard, dude. It let me know I am who I say I am. It's
0: hard, it's also hard to really distill what your actual values are versus what external value what Ooh. what values you've been told yeah. are valuable hell yeah it's
1: fucking yeah. really
0: really hard and it's probably endless by the way like i think so like it even in old age it will always be a challenge not that like we're not an old but i'm saying like old old like ah uh, do i really like this sort of corrective shoe yeah <laughs> or am yeah, i yeah. just like it because all the people around me are like are like Whatever the whatever the status symbols are of that thing, it'll be. It's very hard to not
1: just bite. I realized that with like things, right? Like you know, when you broke, you see a Bentley and be like, "I don't want that shit. Why the fuck would you spend that much money on yeah, a car?" Yeah. Yada yada yada. But when you really get the money and can afford it, and you feel that same way. You are who you say you are. Yeah. You know, you about what you say you about. You believe what you really believe. People go,
0: why don't you? And you're like, I don't like it.
1: I don't like it. That ain't me. Yeah. Like, it's just that simple. That's not me. Like, and I don't need that to feel better about myself. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's why people buy those things. I'm just saying, for me, I don't need that. Some people just have
0: horrible taste and values. Yeah.
1: I agree. God bless. Absolutely. 100%.
0: (laughs) But I would argue that it's probably, it's like put on them. Um, All right. Final question and I forget to ask it sometimes Charlemagne movie Charlemagne biopic who plays you by the way there's a I've never thought you look like Morris Chestnut and come on give it up about a dozen times today I've thought is this Morris Chestnut Well, that I'm speaking to I I know I texted Charlemagne he might have sent Morris Chestnut
1: you've always been a man with a great eye
0: (laughs) thank you yeah um What's the movie about what's the character arc?
1: Oh. And who plays you? I think uh the movie would be about um man, that's a great question. The movie would be definitely about a, a journey of healing. You know? It would definitely be about a journey of healing. I think it would have to be like a a, a coming-of-age tale, you know. I think um the younger version of me I learned so much from every day. So I'm still exploring that. So if I did do a movie or a TV show, I would want to do it through that lens. Through like through the 13? Of, before that, probably uh probably from the time I can remember first grade to about when I started getting in trouble in high school. You know what I mean? Like when I started like running in the streets, doing shit I ain't had no business doing. Because I learned so much about m- myself now because of that person. You know what I mean? And like my 20s, 20s, and like to like thirty five was me not dealing with the things I had, not dealing with the traumas I had experienced in my childhood, and all of those things were showing up in my ad- young adulthood. But I wasn't acknowledging them. I wasn't connecting the dots. I was I was acting like you know my life was different movies. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's not different movies. It's the same. Well, it movie. sounds
0: like you became you were like formed between eight and thirteen, and then betrayed that, betrayed yeah. all the things you learned until you were 35, and then yeah. 35 on was like, oh, that shit was yeah. valuable.
1: Yeah, and and, and and man, and I'm thinking about it now, and I, I, the, the, the people pleasing has showed up in so many different aspects of my life. You said something that made me think about that. Like, when I was a kid, I didn't have to do none of the shit that I was doing. My mom was an English teacher. You know, she's a Jehovah's Witness. I had a beautiful grandmother who was a Baptist. My dad... Oh, was, by
0: the way, how they let? How did you get away with it as a Jehovah's Witness?
1: But That's my point. I, yeah. I, I didn't have any reason to do any of the stuff that I was yeah. doing. I was acting out because I was trying to please people. When I first started getting in trouble in school was because sixth grade, I'm in the advanced classes. I'm wearing glasses. I got a fanny pack. You know what I'm saying? It's only like me and like two other black kids in this class because in all the advanced classes it was all the white kids. Yep. So naturally I'm hanging around all the white kids. But then like my cousins who were like the, the, the goons, right, the thugs, they hated me being around all these white kids, so they used to bully me. Mm-hmm. So they used to bully the fuck out of me, beat me up, slam me. So it got to a point where the white kids were like, man, I'm not, I don't wanna be around you because these guys are always coming to beat you up. And my glasses used to always fall off and break. So at one day I was just like, man, fuck that shit. If you can't beat them, join them. So started hanging with them. That's when all my troubles in school started. People pleasing, you know what I mean? So it's just like my whole life there's been all of these moments of people pleasing, you know what I mean? So I would explore a lot of that.
0: And coming into yourself. Absolutely. Or coming back to yourself, like who you truly are when no one's around. There you
1: go, that's exactly what it is.
0: That's That's one of the great challenges of life anyway, is like, who? all right, no one's around, who am I? That's right. And then I'm like, okay, you look in the mirror like, when you get out there, be this, and then you go out there and be something totally different.
1: And you might can be all those things, right? right? Because I I, I can be around those guys and you grow to love like hardcore hip hop, I love, you know, b- back then in middle school, I loved the—you know—I still love it now. But you know, you love the Wu Tangs and the Onyxes yeah. and all that shit like that. But guess what? I also like reading Judy Bloom. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I love Judy Bloom. Yeah. you know. So it's just like you go back and forth. Yeah, I love Boys in the Hood, but I love My Girl too with Macaulay right. but, You know what, yes. what I mean? But yes, like,
0: but <laughs> yes, I I would argue that your values are in Judy Bloom and My Girl, yeah. and you're like sort of cultural. I mean, I the my feeling about hip hop has always been like, I I disagree with everything they're saying but i love the way they say it
1: yeah like
0: man this is bullshit but say it again
1: and also we the, the thing is we gotta we kind of gotta go out of our way to do this shit you know what i mean like the, the shit the,
0: the goon shit yeah like the yes. shit
1: hip-hop artists talk about like bro we're in monks corner south carolina like we yeah we don't really have to do a lot of this shit that we're doing it was we named there was different hoods in our in our in, in the community we named after like, oh. it was Queensbridge and...
0: Oh, that's uh that's so uh,
1: ...Shallon and, <laughs>
0: like... And everybody abided by it? Not Everyone... everybody,
1: but a few places, you know what I mean? But, and even, even like, people would take on the name of groups, like the Hit Squad. Like, that, none of this is us, guys. <laughs>
0: that's so funny. You know
1: what I'm saying? So it's, like, none so of this is like us. So it's, like,
0: culturally, everyone's abandoning themselves to be this other we, thing. Yeah,
1: we never really... We, we, did, we did probably later on in life, but at that time, we weren't tapping into who we were. Yeah. You know what I mean? We weren't tapping into who we were. We were tapping into what we were taking in as far as the culture, the music and the movies and everything else is concerned.
0: What's the final scene in the movie? Cause it, by the way, if it's a period, like what would, if it is the, like the young period, you and the flashback, the flashback
1: structure. Yeah. I don't know if the final scene in the movie has happened yet. Cause it would be that it would be me flashing back through adulthood. Yeah. To, 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 to my, my inner child. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't know if the final scene in the movie is has happened yet. If that makes sense.
0: I think it's the T.D. Jakes part. I think it's the T.D. Jakes. It's Feeling December worthy. 2019. Right before COVID.
1: Yeah, that yeah, that could be it. When no. you're like,
0: "Oh, I don't have to be this other bullshit." No, I that can could just be, it. be me.
1: No, that could be it. Fade to black. I never bye. thought about it, but yeah, that could be it cuz yeah, I would do I wouldn't it's not like a, it'd be a continuous TV show. It'd be on some everybody hates Christian, yeah. right? Like, it'd be like Four seasons, five more seasons. Than, if
0: top. I'm um, what I'm saying, I'm I'm thinking more two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a private parts. Yeah. And it not I just say that because you brought it up. Yeah. Um, and the most helpful things you've done in terms of mental health, therapy, therapy. period.
1: Therapy, period. Because therapy opened the door for everything else. You know what I mean? My homegirl Debbie Brown, I give Dev props. I give Dev props just like I give you props all the time. Dev uh told me, like, look, therapy is great. You know, therapy gives you the language helps you to understand what you're going through, but at some point you're gonna have to do some real healing. Yes. At some point you're gonna have to actually deal with that trauma, like you know what I mean? Like you're gonna have to actually go out there and do some things to deal with that trauma. So uh, everything that comes with that, whether it's the brain training, whether it's the float therapy, whether it's the, you know, plant-based journey, whatever it is to help get that trauma out, the deep tissue massages, the yeah. meditation, all of that started with me going to therapy. So therapy is absolutely the gateway drug to healing. So that's been the most important thing. Therapy was my cocaine that led me to crack.
0: I don't know why you had to bring crack into it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Charlemagne, the God, he yes, helped indeed. himself. I helped myself. Hey, we can all help ourselves.
1: Peace.